we are reminded, and I'm thinking about uh, my dear brother Norm, who lost his brother. Uh, we, we know it's hard. We know it's hard. But we are praying for you, my brother. And that's how life is. It's exactly how we feel. See, we have moments of joy and we have moments of sadness. We have times where we suffer, times where we rejoice. And when we think about it, we have this wonderful passage in the Bible. It talks about the joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, I want to talk a little bit about it, uh, if I can find it here. It talks about that we are in these ups and downs as Christian people or as living in the world. We live... Um, We live in times where um, everything goes, uh, is hanging on a thread. For example, this week I had a great joy, you know, I had my, my, my family that came from back west. But then the joy will be gone because next week they will be gone again. We have good news and we have bad news. How we're supposed to live. Now we think about Christmas. Yeah, Jesus Christ was born. But have you noticed that not every day you remember it? That because of the circumstances in your life, sometimes you kind of, man, you know, life is so hard. And we heard it even from uh, our uh, reading this morning. David, for example, he had joy at one point, and all of a sudden he would prefer not you know, I'm, I don't want to face this. We have Elijah. We had all the other big men in the world, in the Bible, and they all had great moments and they had sad moments. How are we supposed to live? Well, the facts are very clear. Joy is a rare commodity these days. When was the last time you had a great joy? Let's put it just this week. What was the greatest joy you had this week? Maybe you think, well, wow, I didn't, wow, what was it? Was it the busyness of running around and maybe do some shopping or and, and the joy of receiving maybe a, a, a card or a picture? Um, what was the greatest gift this week? Most people in the world, let's be honest, they have lost their joy. We know that even at Christmas season, it's where most of the suicides take place. Simply because there's no joy. There's nothing. There's sadness. There's fears of life. There's uncertainty of the future. There are individual crises, there are family broken relationships, there is maybe a lack of economic security, 
You don't know how we're going to pay all the bills or pay the credit card after all the gifts that you bought. There's moral decay. There is desperations. There are feelings of guilt. There are individual situations. There's loss of hope of a younger generation for a better life because they cannot really see the future the way maybe you as you grew up. You saw the future and you saw, wow, this is going to be good. Life is going to be fantastic. But there is a younger generation that is growing up today It looks and can't see much. Looks to the future, man, what is there for me yet? And if they start to think a little deeper, they look at the situation and they look down as a man, there is really not much to look forward to unless they find the source of joy, which we're going to be talking about. The Bible does mention that the cares of the world have robbed us from our joy. Now, Anna Graham Lutz, and I used this uh, little devotional at our, our place the other day. She starts off reading from uh, Revelation chapter 22, verses 14. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Has your entire life been a series of struggles? Have you been more sick than well? More defeated than successful? More tired than rested? More empty than satisfied? More sad than happy? Do you feel defeated because after a lifetime of struggle, all you have to look forward to is death and a cold grave? And then she says, look up. Regardless of our circumstances, our condition, we can look forward with hope as we glimpse heaven. Here's where it does really start. It is time to look up. Down here, not much left. My Father's house, which is being prepared as an eternal home for you and for me. So the question then becomes, is there real reason to go around this world without joy if we know that there is something better? Could we say that joy has arrived? Could we look deep down in our hearts today and say, yes, I know that this is not easy. I know that this is hard, but I know joy has arrived. Which one is then the source of joy? Well, let me read it to you. In those days, this is from Luke chapter 2, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place. While Carinus was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their hometown to register. Now, this talk about business at Christ- busyness at Christmas. Everybody got running around, had to go to their own city because they had to be counted in the census. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth into Galilee to Bethlehem, the town of David. Now let me just get a little stop here about Bethlehem, the town of David. This is very, very important. 
we had the privilege to go to Bethlehem a couple times. And I just want you to know that the city actually exists. This town is actually there. You go there, you see the fields, you see the mountains, you see the city, which is about seven kilometers south of um, the city of Jerusalem. It's a beautiful place. And it's a place where David grew up. Very interesting. Where he also was anointed as king by Solomon. It's a place where Rachel died, which is the wife of Jacob. In fact, when you go on the highway, all of a sudden the tour guide says, Hey, hey, you know that? If you don't have time to actually stop at the tomb of Rachel, you will see on the, on the left side when you go, when you come down towards from, from, Jerusalem, uh, from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, on the left side you will see, oh, there is the tomb of Rachel. So it happened there. It's actually the place where the story of Ruth took place. You know, where Ruth went with Na- from Naomi. She came from, this, from, from Jordan, went into, uh, back to Jerusalem or back to Israel, and where, they had to, where she was getting, gleaning wheat from the, the house of, uh, what's the name of the, the guy? Boaz. There you go. It happened there too, in the area. It's a place where Herod murdered all the kids, two years and younger at one point in time. And yes, of course, it is the place where Jesus was born. Now, we also know that Jesus is the bread of life. Now, did you know that the city of Bethlehem, the city, the name Bethlehem, Bethlehem, the house of bread. It's interesting, too, that when you eat bread every day, you don't get, uh, you know, you can't eat basically bread every day. Have you tried chocolate? If you eat chocolate every day, at one point after the end of the week, you're like, man, you know, I can't stand chocolate anymore. But bread is something you still can eat every day. It's just good. The bread of life, city of Bethlehem, Bethlehem, this, this town of bread or the city of bread or the house of bread. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth into Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house of the line, in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Again, we talked about it this the other day. Jesus himself, he could not have chosen the place where he would be born. That's why we know it's true. But this is a prophecy. Because we read it actually in, in uh, Micah. Micah 5, but you, Bethlehem Ephrata, through you who are small among the clans of Israel and of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will become ruler over Israel and who, or, whose origins are from old, from uh, the ancient of days, or from, a, from, a, uh, yeah, from a long time ago. He was referring to Jesus Christ who would be born in the city of Bethlehem. So she was wrapped, she, as she was born, while, uh, verse 6, sorry. While they were there, the time came for a baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And then there were shepherds. Now, this is the story of Jesus Christ being born. 
and it starts sprinkling over to the community. Here's where it gets really cool. Because the text goes on and says, verse 8, And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the choir just saying, this is, you know, it's a, a community that really had not much influence in the community, in the area. These are shepherds. These are people that have really not much of a, a say. And then, this is what happened. They were living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. Have you ever seen an angel? An angel to the Lord of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. If you ever see an angel, if you have ever, like a strong vision like that, a visible vision, like a physical vision of an angel, you probably will fall to the ground. And you will also become afraid because the glory, the shininess, the, it's so, the majestic shine or the, the power is so bigger, so higher than whatever you, what you have ever seen in your life. Anyway, this angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them. See, I'm trying to make a separation from what their usual life was, from what all of a sudden started to happen after this. This announcement is the beginning of a true joy in their lives that will flow from generation to generation forever and ever and ever and ever. And it will never stop. It will never, will never go ups and downs anymore. Like we heard, there will be no sad moments in heaven, not a, one, not a single one. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. This one is not about having something separate away. This one was born to you. To you. Put your name underneath there. This is mine. This one is for me. This news is about me. It's towards me. It's to, for, for my for my, uh, not just enjoyment, for my salvation, for my future, for my hope, for my love, for my peace, to be restored forever and ever. That's what this is about. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. He's not just a single baby born in a little stall or a little lower part of the house. He is the Messiah. The Messiah. You know, you're talking the Messiah here? The one that brings peace for good and for all and for good? He's the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. It's exactly what happened. 
You think this is over? It's not over yet. Why is this so very important, what happened now? Now that the announcement has been made, the angels had come, or one angel had come to give the announcement. There is something that I, I just, to try, I try to understand what, why. Why would this part now, what I'm going to read now, be part of it? After the announcement of this one angel, the biggest, the greatest, the most incredible news will ever, that will ever take place, and took place. Why this? Verse 13. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, why this? I mean, really. One angel will already get everybody down. I mean, uh, to the ground, impressed. Wow. And the news were already incredible. The news of this one Savior, the Messiah that was already born, was already something incredible, will change a life for all generations forever and ever. Why would God bother to send another set of angels just to sing, just to celebrate? Just to give it an extra boost. Because the text says, suddenly a great, this is a great one. This is not a, a, a half a dozen. This is, you know, tens of thousands in my small little brain. But these are many, many, many. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. Now we read in Jeremiah 15, verses 16. And it's basically the, inter, inter, the, the connectiveness of who this Messiah would be or is with the actual word. You remember Jesus saying that I am the bread of life. And he also says... We are not supposed to, to, to eat uh, or live by bread alone, but by the word of God. Jesus Christ here, this says in Jeremiah 15, 6, When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. Here is God saying, you know what? Or... The prophet Jeremiah, he started to eat. And these, the things that he was eating, you know, the words, or the paper, I think it was, they became sweet in his mouth. There's something with the word of God. When it touches you, it changes you forever. So first of all, there is power in joy. Nehemiah 8.10 says this. Then he said to them, Go, eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day, holy to the Lord, do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, when I said the, the angels came, not just the one angel, when all the other angels came, 
It is a representation or actually what's happening in the heart of God. It is God who was rejoicing for what was happening. It was not even so much the, the shepherds. The shepherds, they were, you know, were kind of, wow. Of course, they saw this vision. They saw this angel. They saw the announcement. And they went to check it out. And yes, they were, they were very happy. But this shows about a greater joy. God's joy. It is God in heaven happy for what he was about to do or what he just did. Remember when the Bible says, there is joy in heaven, there is joy in heaven, in heaven, when one sinner repents. More than all the 99 that are already good. See, this is the joy of the Lord. Now, here is the point of this message today. Your joy will will oscillate. Is that a word? It will go ups and ups and downs, ups and downs through your 50, 60, 80 or more years. There will be times of sadness. There will be times of, oh, this is so hard. Life as hard as it can be. And then there will be moments like what we celebrate. We celebrate the joy. We celebrate. We, we try our very best to, to be happy for what actually happened. Sometimes it's really not even in the heart, but because everybody's celebrating and everybody's rejoicing, everybody's happy, let's just be happy too because I guess it must be a good thing. But then deep down, am I really happy? When I say it's the Lord's joy, is my strength? Well, that's exactly what it is. It's not even your joy that's your strength. It's his joy. He is the one that's happy. And his joy never changes. It's just, no matter what happened, there is not a sad moment in heaven. And for us to understand this, the Lord is celebrating your life. And because he is celebrating your life, because he is celebrating what he was able to accomplish through Jesus Christ and you coming to him, there is such great joy in heaven. He will not let you go. If you understand that he has such a great joy for the fact that you came to him through the provision that he provided, then you can have joy no matter what happened to you. It doesn't even depend on you. It depends on him. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of him, the Lord in heaven, his joy is the one that makes you or can make you, no matter what the circumstances in your life, you still can rejoice. You rejoice. You can celebrate. Not about your situation because it is not about your situation. Other than, of course, you have come to him and your situation has changed. Your sin has been forgiven. Your life is different now. You have a place in heaven. You have a place, a mansion being prepared for you in heaven. Yeah, when you remember those things, and by the way, we should always remember those things, that your sin has been taken away. You can celebrate. You can rejoice. And I know you will. 
And I know you do. But even if in the moments of sadness, let's remember, the Lord is happy for what he accomplished for you. He cannot, you cannot bring God down. His joy is a guarantee so that you can remain happy. So his joy is us. We are his joy. I think he was already happy in heaven before he created us. I'm pretty sure. But he tried to prove to us because of the salvation that he provided through Jesus, our joy or his joy got bigger. If there is a possibility for God's joy get bigger or smaller. But the fact of the matter is, because he was able to accomplish what he did, he brought his joy to a higher level. So much so that he gave the announcements and then he put all the angels in. Guys, this is about us here in heaven to celebrate what we just have accomplished down there on earth. And there is great joy. In fact, there is amazing joy when one of us comes to him. When one single soul all of a sudden repents and says, Hey God, I am so sorry. I understand what you did for me on that cross as you sent Jesus to become a young baby, to become a man, and a very powerful man, by the way. You died. So what's God's joy based on? Well, in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2, he says, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. See, again, Jesus was happy with his accomplishment, that he knew that he, that he would be able to accomplish. That kind of strength brought him through the painful cross. The fact that he knew, this is going to be hard right now, but what I'm going to accomplish after this, by rescuing people that my father loves, that I love, there's nothing that will take my joy away. Because I'm accomplishing something incredible here. I am accomplishing salvation of the universe, or salvation of humanity for all those who come to me. And that joy brought them through the lowest, terrible, painful place where he used to, or where he went through, which is the cross. So the only reason Jesus endured the cross is because of the joy of his reconciliation with you. The people I created, they can be now back to me. That's a pleasure for me. That's a joy for me. I mean, this is just everything for me. Yes, I'll face the cross. Uh, the cross. I'll do it. He loves us so very much. Do we understand how much he loves us? It's just, this is major. So we cannot endure our joy or keep our joy when we, when we forget the fact that the Lord is the one that is truly rejoicing over us. The joy of unbroken fellowship with you. 
The joy of having once again an unbroken relationship with you. That's the joy in heaven. And that's the joy that brings us the strength. For us to understand this. He has found his pearl of great price. Your value in his eyes made him able to endure anything, even the cross, in order to have you close to him. Other scriptures do also reflect it, by the way. Isaiah 65, 19 says, And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. God rejoices. Do you understand that there is actually happiness and joy over us? That's the joy of the Lord. And if you know this, you will be strong. You will go through this ups and downs because it will become small. See, it is God that is happy with us who are coming back to him. Now, Isaiah 62, verses 5. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. If you know that as church we are the bride of Christ. And Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. The text here says, well, in the same way that the bridegroom rejoices over his bride. He is the one that is happy. He is the one that is so pleased with you. He is the one that, wow, you know, have no, you have no idea what I was just able to accomplish. I beat the devil big time. We now have people back with us. We should celebrate up here. Celebrate up here in heaven. So he did. How do we take that? Knowing that the joy he feels in having a close relationship with us, what does it do to do? do what does that do to us? Have you ever asked him to reveal to you how he feels about you, and what are the joys of his heart really are. You are his joy. He delights in you. My prayer is that this morning you would understand that, yeah, the world is difficult. Ain't going to go, go any easier from here on. But it really is not about you. And I want us to understand. And I, want, and I know God wants you to understand that he, no matter what you do, no matter who you are, no matter what you have done in the past, he rejoices over you. 
He wants you with Him. As soon as you enter through the gate, through the salvation provided by Jesus, there is a party in heaven. And my prayer is that we would be able to rejoice because of the joy that is in heaven. Because that's our strength. That's what it is all about. It's the happiness in heaven. As long as we're here, I tell you, won't be always difficult, but let's remember. Let's stay with him. He's going to start, he has started this process of salvation. He's going to bring it to the very end. He's going to bring you up there because your name is already in the book of life. If you have received him as your Lord and if you have received him as your Savior and if you have repented and if you have asked the Lord, Lord, please forgive my sin. I am here because I am in this, this world and it hasn't been very good for me. The Lord rejoices over you. Do we have a song? Let's pray. Let's sing.